If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We are live with the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Wednesday night, January 8th, 2014. <laughs> alongside my compadre and somewhat friendly foe, Ian Ferguson. Howdy. It is far too late in January already. I am Pat Contry. We are your host for the evening. Uh, coming up, we'll be discussing the PlayStation Now streaming network that was announced, or streaming service that was announced, excuse me. We'll be re- recapping MAGFest 2014, Ian's first time out of his shell and at a oh, convention. Pish. And also uh, taking your questions via, via the hashtag CUPodcast on Twitter, and we'll probably get one or two topics out of that because there's not a lot going on. But Ian, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm tired. I'm still recuperating from from MAGFest, but uh, looking at 13 days straight of work here. But it was fun. It was worth it. Um, other than that, I'm looking forward to the new year. And uh, you? I'm not looking forward to the new year, now. Do you know, actually, that was, I think, a few days ago, was it was uh, usually there's a day in January that's like the suicide uh, like day of the year. It's the most depressing day of the year. Really? I'm serious. It's usually in the past. It's been like January 21st or something. But someone told me it was like January 7th this year. <laughs> it's not funny, right? but I just because I the holidays are over. Yeah, the holidays are sure, and and you got a long stretch without anything going on holiday wise. January is miserable weather. Usually February is too. So yeah, yes, why, why not off yourself in January? Hey, you celebrate Christmas one last time, New Year's. Yeah, just kill yourself in, in early January. Oh, God, but we survived that. <laughs> we did. We survived that. So um. Yeah, so in terms of stuff going on, my, my DVD arrived on uh, a week ago. It arrived, and I sold that manifest. So get those pre-orders in now, even though right now it's an order, not really a pre-order. It's still a pre-order. It's your order order. Get it's... your ordering order in for those DVDs. Volume 3. Do that, please. But um, we were at Magfest for four days. Yes. Are we just going to jump into recaps? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, I don't know what else to go through. My website's going fine. i got to reskin it. Yeah. And uh, I'm wearing too too tight a shirt right now, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm gaining weight. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I haven't been eating, but I've been. <laughs> yeah, I've, been these, these pants feel a little bit tighter than uh, usual. It was from from beer. It's from, from the the bottled bread. The bottled uh, bread. The, the, the bottled bread. Um, so yeah, Magfest was a lot of fun. It was my, as opposed to what you said, it, it was not my first convention. I've done a number of Comic Cons. I did Comic Con, but sure. I mean, first con where you're appearing at as a personality. Yeah, I, I still don't necessarily look at it that way, but I guess I mean I guess at some point I have to realize that I was on four panels. Um, it was a lot of fun. Being on the panels was fun. Uh, everyone I met on both the content creation side and the fan side and everything in between was were really really nice people. Um, and that's what made it so fun. In a way, I felt like I was at a summer, like a, a summer camp, you know. But summer what, camp for geeks. Yeah, but one that I like, like summer camp for piano players. And this was summer camp for YouTube content creators. And I don't make my own goddamn content, but everyone was really nice and let me swim with them and go canoeing with them, anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't dunk your head underwater. They, they, they even had me on their special canoes a couple times. No wedgies so, in the back. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're yeah, very so, nice. So um, it was nice canoeing with all of those YouTube people. <clears throat> Oh, very cool. And the, the, the panels were 
or let's, fun. Let's back up a little bit. What, yeah. what did you think about meeting all like meeting all the retroware people? Like uh, I, I loved everyone I met who was on retroware, except for Rue. No, I liked Rue. I loved, <laughs> I loved Rue. Um, no, I mean everyone that I met was really really nice. Uh, I got along famously with Billy and Jay. I got along. Which I told you you would get along with them, even though we, you thought their personality clashes would be big. Well, it's just a matter of, you know, how you... how you. Per- I don't know what their personalities are. I just assumed that I wasn't going to get along with a lot of people because I figured there was going to be a lot of egos, and that there really wasn't. Um, that's not a jab at any one person, but no, I got along with Billy and Jay great. Um, I got along with Eric wonderfully, Lance and John and all the writers, Mike Anthony. And, and, and Mo and Larry. And Mo and Larry and... I'm going to stop naming people now because if I try to actually name everyone, I'll inevitably forget someone and they'll be upset. But if I met you or hung out with you, I liked you quite a bit. Um, Were you surprised about the fan reaction to you, like coming up to you and saying, hey, we, we like you on the video game years and, and, and on the podcast? Well, that's it, the, the fan reaction was very nice and it was, it was, I don't know, it was, it was humbling in a way because I wasn't really expecting that. Um, everyone was very cool. No one was weird. Everyone was really nice. I was surprised that. I mean, I gave away almost all my pins. I actually don't even have a full set myself anymore, personally, because I think I have a full set. One yeah. of our one of our friends lost her Turbo Graphics pin, so I oh, gave no. so I gave her the one off well, my bag as a replacement. So, anyways, tell, look, tell people about your pins real quick. Oh, I, yeah, I did. So I did four pins. I did actually get them done, and I did. Uh, they were four cartridges representing my favorite systems. They were Nintendo, Game Boy, not Nintendo, sorry, uh, PC Engine, Game Boy. Neo Geo Pocket and uh, Genesis, and I, uh, my fiance and I were bored on New Year's Eve before we uh, uh, before we left, and we actually um, sat down and tagged each one with a stupid little saying or bit of advice uh, when I was drunk, and I handed them out. It was fun. Um, people liked them. To go back to the fan reaction, what impressed me most was that most people who came up to talk to me, and it was a fair amount, actually were not approaching me for being in your videos. Or for the video game years, even they they were they they were approaching me because of the podcast. And that was surprising, uh, and, that, and that, that was surprising because that that I feel like is, you know, I I'm I'm heavily involved in the video game years, and I'm on your project, but the, uh, I'm on your videos, but the podcast is our truly collaborative effort. So mm-hmm. the fact that you know I was getting recognition for something that I was more involved in was fun. It was nice. It, it made it makes these are fun and easy to do, but it made doing them even more, you know, it was it, it, you know, more worthwhile. It was nice to know that there's people listening. That's good. Um yeah, I hung out a lot at the retroware booth. Yeah, that was fun. I was so, selling my wares, my retroware wares. Yeah. Extra games, DVDs. The wristbands I should have for sale by now because I have way too many of them. <laughs> I have over 900 left at this point, so yeah, way too many. Folks, keep in mind that they're good for ankle bands too. Order yeah. 4. Or if you have a small head, you can just <laughs> put one around there. He's a sweatband. Get, get one for your dog or your cat. So um, at first you weren't going to be a part of the video game collecting panel, but then you were, and I thought you did a great job as a perspective. And you had a lot about, well, I guess, more like the climate, what's going on, but also about game stores and how you price things. And I don't think a lot of people realize you know, the difference. At least a, a reputable, reputable game store versus one that just uses eBay to price everything, for, you know, listing price. Yeah, I, I had a conversation with a few people um, about some of the things I said at the the collecting panel. Everyone enjoyed what I said, but you know, a lot of people are like, "That's that's that's reliant on the store that you're dealing with being sure. a decent store," and that is true. But all I'm saying is, is you know, what I said at the panel is basically there are certain things that you can find at at retail stores for a good deal that you wouldn't expect, and uh, you just have to know who you're dealing with. I mean, 
at all in collecting, that's one of the main things is know who you're dealing with and make sure you're dealing with someone legitimate, whether it's another collector, someone who's trading you, or an actual store. You know, making sure you're not dealing with assholes or idiots is kind of, you know, tip number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got over, I know you had a fear of a crowd, but I thought maybe you would. But you did fine. You were funny. You were witty. This isn't just a you know fellatio of Ian segment. <laughs> but Please, I mean, no. you, were, you were good. And then, and then so you, the video game years uh, panel, which I thought was really fun. And uh, it started off as as sort of static groups. Then it was free form, and it was it was really I thought really fun. Just a great discussion about ninety three. Besides Rue's bizarre bashing of Doom, <laughs> comparing it to Jurassic I, Park. I, I can't wait Nintendo. to see that panel online because me and Ian look at each other like, is this guy fucking nuts next to us? <laughs> so Rue, Doom was like the first or second topic. I think it was the first topic. Doom was, was the first and topic. And we start off, I'm yeah. like, Doom. Dude, we, and we, we did a nice minute and a half on Doom. How we would do it live here. With nothing. <laughs> me, Ian and I don't pre-script our, for the most part, 99% of it, we don't pre-script right. uh, video game years. So we do that, we go over, and all of a sudden it goes to Rue's group. So Rue just turns to the screen with Doom. Hey, you know, I'm not a fan of Doom. Um, you know, the the pixel graphics, <laughs> and he goes up on this strange, incoherent, just tangent about why he doesn't like Doom, and it's sort of related back to like I guess establishing a weird video style, a graphic style that he saw in Jurassic Park on the Super Nintendo. I'm guessing he meant the first this person, Mark. Yeah, it was so bizarre that if you were there, you saw me just look at each other, like, not knowing how to respond. First, because of Bashing Doom, which is a revolutionary game, but also just, like, what, like, what is he actually talking about? We had no idea. Well, I mean, in, 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 to his credit, and that was that was bizarre. That was, that was bizarre. <laughs> yeah, to his credit, there's, was bizarre. There's, there's, there's no way around that. But everyone's first run on a segment, I think, was a little rough. And then when we just kind of... The thing was, is we all play nice together on stage. Yeah. And it was very easy for us to kind of slip into a free-flowing format on that without talking over each other because it was just like, pause, wait, one, two, and slip in an sure. interjection. And, and it went well. I don't remember there being a whole lot of talking over each other. And we were still Not able to lot. do... What I liked the most about it is we were able to do a bit of back and forth between the groups that you never yes. get to see on the video game years. And even bringing up, like, Lance, I remember, I forgot to bring up uh, Tricks of the Doom Gurus, and then Lance brought up, or, or you did, about the modding community getting a big, you know, that was a big part of Doom. And then, so I remember, oh, I, I Doom Tricks of the Guru book. I had that. I talked about that. So it fed off each other the same way a segment would, where it would build off of someone mentioning it cut to another person. And so... Yeah, John threw me that softball that let me uh, oh, about talk Ridge about Racer? Ridge Racer. Yes, <laughs> I you, couldn't believe you he swore had the... you were going to talk about Ridge Racer. I, could, I wasn't planning on it, but he started ch- talking about checkered flag for the Jaguar, and Did I was he really? like, I, "Yeah," and I was so like, "I've got this. I can sneak in right here." And the best part about that was, and this is why I had so much fun because everyone was 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 friendly and attentive. John actually had a clip for Ridge Racer yeah, on so... his computer, <laughs> so in case I did actually oh, jump yeah. onto Ridge Racer, he the, had a clip. So, the, so the John, video John tried to produce it a little bit and have clips to show, which sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't. It didn't work with the X-Wing. Uh, we talked about X-Wing. It didn't work for that just because John showed the intro, not the actual gameplay. So it didn't work for that, but for the most part, it worked. It showed gameplay of what we were talking about, like Doom. So it yeah, worked great for Mortal Kombat with the Mortal Monday, Monday commercial. commercial. Yeah. So we talked about uh, we talked about Doom, Mortal Kombat two, and the release of Mortal Kombat one on the system. We talked about LucasArts, which was X Wing, Day of the Tentacle, and Sam and Max. Uh, we talked about Jaguar and the three D O coming out, and a couple others I, I forget. NBA I Jam, NBA Jam, and Star Fox. Yep. 
Those are the main titles. Oh, and Zelda uh, Link's Awakening. Yeah, Link's Awakening, which I know nothing about. I've never even played it for a second. But anyway. That was one of the other segments I got worked up on, because none of you... No one else on the panel gave two shits about it. John before and like, yeah, I can talk about that. I know that game. And Bruce's like, oh, I love that game. And then everyone's struggling to talk about anything specific in the game, and I lost it. That's funny as hell. (laughs) At least I admit, I I own it, but I don't know anything about it. Meanwhile, it sounds fun. I like the fact that it's not in the same sort of same stories of rescuing Zelda. It sounds like yeah, the limitations they put on that game are why that game turned out so well. Sure. And then we had the retroware panel uh, Saturday night. Which, and that was just it was you were up front front and center you were like I don't want to be on the stage you were you were in front row I was John was like sit down so I sat down but it was uh, that was a lot of fun that, that was one fun. was way less pressure um, that was just uh, you know we basically all just, all just introduced ourselves and then we did some Q and A and then we played games and, and I, I and I won my pro wrestling challenge which is good because everyone else on Retroware sucks. They were all yes. off at their, uh, their we, we, challenges. I think our win percentage was like 35%. <laughs> I won my personal challenge on uh, Street Fighter 2, but then we lost the first two. We lost like the Bomberman Super Nintendo one, I thought. And then and then we we lost a bunch of others. And I was like, what the hell is happening? The Ninja guy got botched. We lost the Kajaro was... was botched. We didn't know the rules for him. Yeah. I, at one point, I, I went 20. Oh, no, I know that we won the Bomberman. You know why? I went and yelled and ruined and Eric's face. I said, do better. They won that. <laughs> um... We, I, we lost the Rue one because Rue fucking yeah, you and sucks at Smash Brothers now. You and Rue he, sucked ass. He always loses, like, within 30 seconds, and it's just me two on one. We were winning, and the system froze. The first game we were winning, the system froze, and then we had to restart it. So, Rue, you stink at Smash Brothers, or stop using Ness. Just stop it. Anyway, so then uh, then the last panel that you were part of, at 2 a.m., oh Saturday God. night, Sunday morning, the video game commentary panels. So, I hope this doesn't... I mean, here's the thing. I was asked, because I was... We were drinking and we were having fun. I was asked by John and Lance and Eric to be on the Videocade Commentaries panel. Dan, who is usually the third with Eric and, and Lance, mm-hmm. could not make it because his wife had just given birth to their son. And congrats to Dan. Yeah, so congrats to Dan, which is awesome. So John was going to play replacement, and then they wanted me up there as pinch hitter. But, I mean, <laughs> I've never seen these videos before. Not pre- and quite not, frankly... Not pre-scripted. Not pre-scripted, never seen these videos before, and quite frankly, uh, we had put down a considerable amount of boobs going into that panel, <laughs> and because we knew how it was going to be, and that was kind of amusing just in the, it was a bunch of tired people. What did you, what did you watch? We watched uh, 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 Mario Brothers on Ice. Which was funny. Which was funny. Um, and then... We watched an entire episode of Video Power, which was 27 minutes long. Oh, God. And then we watched... I don't even remember what the third... No, we didn't watch the third thing. <laughs> no, we just did Q&A. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it was... We were all just... But it was really just a bunch of people tired. And the thing was, is that the things that they had picked were amusing enough that it was just a bunch of people in a just room watching, just watching something stupid at I two stumbled in, in 2.08. I was half asleep. I was checking my phone. So, the story that I love is... Is this going to get us in trouble to boot? Well, whatever. So... The handler, the guy in charge of the room, runs up and is like, "Hey, I'm sorry that we're running late, you know, because uh, John St. John was in the room before oh, us, he was. so his the, his panel ran late." So the guy runs up to us after we're all set up and he's like, "Hey, sorry we're running late. It's two in the morning. You guys don't have another panel after you. You can go late if you want. Just keep in mind, I have, I can't go to bed until until you guys are done." Okay. We're like, "Okay, cool." He looks at us and I don't know if he could just tell because you guys might have any chance to have some booze on you. 
So we snuck him a shot of whiskey, and he was very appreciative of that, and he ran off. Ten minutes into our panel, he comes running back in with a bottle of single malt and pours us each four shots on stage, and then runs off into the distance and disappears. It was that sort of panel, and it was was fun. It was a fun way to say goodbye to uh, all the paneling. Uh, at Magfest, we, we, we both had what you had four panels, and I had four panels too. Yeah, we're that, on three panels together. Yeah, Jesus Christ! So that one was the most stress. That one was the most stressful, though, not because I had anything to gain or lose. I wanted them to have fun, but at that point, I, I do have a limit to the amount of being on stage. Like you said, I, I I was better at it maybe than you had thought. I was better at it than I thought I would be, yeah. but I still have a limit to it. Even though that was the smallest crowd, and it was two in the morning. I was starting to feel very uncomfortable about it. <laughs> so, yeah. But you did great. Like I said, the fans loved you. You gave out pins. Yeah. You know. I would, I'll definitely do that again. Um, Justin was nice enough, because apparently Justin's a big pin fan. Uh, Drew Warrior Drew is a big pin fan. And we were talking about pins and you know designs and whatnot, and he does a bunch of his own. And he actually uses a pin maker. I, I want to get a, a pin maker, and he uses a cheap one that I had seen middle of the road reviews on and he showed it to me and like decent. it was pretty nice so like I might actually get it and if it's something that I stick with I'll get a nicer so one do you, but you print it out yourself and just press them in with it the... basically yeah the way his, the badge a minute one works is it's modular and then you use like a special press to press it as opposed to having everything in a full press so on you print own. it out first then you kind of put the paper well, you, 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 you do that for all of them but instead of it being a one piece unit that you constantly turn yeah. them through this is something where like you open it up put it whatever so it, it's a bit more complex okay. but yeah I, I, I do pins next year is what I'm getting at. sell them. Yeah, maybe I'll make maybe I'll make a dollar next year. Make a dollar instead of, you know. I went in 70 under. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the vendor room? The vendor room was interesting. Um, there was, oddly, there was one booth, I don't remember the name of it, that was priced really nicely. They were actually either below or just slightly above us. Okay. But, like, I would charge at the store in the vendor room. They were very comparable to what we charge in, in retail, and they were good. Um, there was the import guy who was actually, as the as the convention wore on, his prices were, were better as I, as I looked at him, uh, especially when you take into account the current markets and the fact that he was really willing to haggle. Like, he was willing to go down on a couple prices for me. So the one where you walk into the right? Where I got my two PC Engine games. Oh, yeah. oh, the, oh the PC Engine one, because there was the other import one. Too, it's, it's when you walk in directly to, to your right. Yeah, uh, to your right. Oh, you're right. Carlson, Carlson, I think his oh, name was. So yeah, oh, yeah. was Carlson. Yeah, okay. Carlson Medgear. And uh, yeah. yeah, his prices were nice, and he was really, really, really willing to work. There was one place, I'm not going to mention them, but uh, I'll just say that they get a lot of flack online at all the conventions they go yeah. to, that they were just charging well, fucking exorbitant prices. Well, the problem was this year versus last, if you see, if you saw my, it was called the MacFest unbagging video last year, I bought a lot of stuff last year. I, I think I spent 250 300 on... Well, I spent about that much this year, but it was 250, 250 to 300 worth of games right. and boxes and manuals and and like a couple of handhelds. It was a lot of little things that I bought. Um, last year, there was probably, uh, to, to, I mean, it's not Manifest's fault. They were sharing a lot of space this year because there was a, a Sunday, an, 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 an astronomical convention came there Sunday. So I think they had less vendor space to begin with, unfortunately. Right. But um. Last year they had about double the amount of, of retro game vendors. They probably had about ten last year. And there was only For, about five people actually five. selling games. And five, then, including retroware. I think about it. Really was just about everything else was art, and it was all very cool. But it was just I was surprised. The thing about Magfest that probably surprised me the most was it's not really about games. No. It's about gaming culture. Yes, which really it was interesting. It was fun. 
And what that meant on a couple of levels was there was a lot of reverence for so-called YouTube uh, celebrities, which was struck me as odd. But it also meant that that was odd. Well, yeah, it was just it was it was it was, it was interesting. Like it, it was just it wasn't like developers; it was people who talk about games. Do you get yeah, what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. Magnus so, is not corporate, right? Yeah, and then. Um, it also meant interesting things that, like, you know, we walked up to the RetroWare suite and someone, I think it was Mike Anthony, had brought a PC engine with a CD attachment. So, unbeknownst to me, we could play the games that I bought that day. Like, people, there was a lot of Thanks. love for the hobby in it. And, oh, yeah. and, and, but because of that, it was almost kind of assumed by going through the vendor room, it looked like that no one there needed games. Everyone needed gaming accoutrements. <laughs> you know, everyone was, you know, it was, it was odd to see that it was more art and even board games and things like that than it was actual physical titles for sale. I'm sure. lucky that I got the two PC Engine games that I did. I think so? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the only things I purchased were... Jeez. I, I think I bought... Yeah, what did you buy? Let's go through our buy lists real quick. I think I bought... Well, you go first. You already said two of your things. So I got Flash Hiders for PC Engine CD, and I got Motor Rotor MC for PC Engine By the way, I did, I, did, I did damage my M8 by hitting it with the chair. Aw. I scuffed it. Go on. Um, both are a lot of fun. And then I bought uh, Netrunner, which is a card game. And it looks Netrunner? Netrunner. <laughs> and it looks fantastic. Uh, everyone seems to be hot on it right now. I read through the rules. I can't wait to play it. And then I bought uh, Vani. I bought her a, a shirt, um, a Final Fantasy VII shirt. But, you, you know, it's tough to tell. It's like a Mako reactor sign. And then I bought her a pair of Animal Crossing socks that look like the grass. And then I bought my friend a CD. Yeah. So, like, I didn't even buy myself a ton. But I... But what I did buy was really cool, like stuff that I was looking for. So I wasn't just buying stuff to buy it. Sure. I was searching for things to, to buy. You I, bought a Wizards and Warriors in the box? I traded to uh, <laughs> Super Arizonk, Ryan, who actually owns it. It's so weird because I thought Ryan had all the NES games because he owned the stadium events. Right. And it turns out, no, he has a stadium events and not that many games because he bought about 30 NES games off me that I brought. Yeah, he bought a lot. He bought a bunch each time he saw like, it. So like, so at one point, he's like, yeah. I have this Wizards and Warriors in the box. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I like any game. Like, that's still in the early era. It's like 87, Wizards and Warriors. So, yeah. 88? So, 87? It was 87. Um, so, he had in the box no manual, but I, I had a gauntlet for sale for four bucks. Uh, Tangent gauntlet. We just did a trade. I'm like, okay, that's like the first thing I technically, quote unquote, bought. And then I was hard pressed until I saw a guy looking through manuals at one of the, the five uh, vendors. And I was like, there's manuals here? Because that's why I go to Portland. That's the first thing I look for. Because that's all I really need. I don't need any more games. You know that. I've Obviously, I'm looking for certain games, but I have 99% of the ones I want and right. for the systems. Not just the ones you never play. But, I mean, the list of games I'm looking for are very... I'm looking for, like, three Genesis games, one or two uh, N64 games, maybe, and, like, four uh, Super Nintendo games and a couple of Master System games. That's all I'm looking for. Besides one that may catch my eye. So I'm not going to these places. I'm not going to find that much, especially if there's only five vendors. So there's manuals. I'm looking through manuals, kind of competing with this guy. This guy knew who I was, you know. I let him have the Monster Party one. I actually needed that for my loose copy. Uh, but then I went through them, and I got, like, uh, Batman Return of the Joker manual, North, North and South manual, Mega Man 6 manual, Castle of Dragon, and a few others that are either uncommon or hard to find, like uh, Batman Return of the Joker. It's not an easy game to find. The manual's probably even less. Yeah. And then I got... Um, I think I got Time Cruise for Turbo Graphics Loose. So I don't think I have it loose. It was like five bucks only. You're talking about it's really good price. It's hard to find. Maybe. Yeah, you tell me. It, someone else had that too. Um, so yeah, so I got that. That's all I bought. That was like forty-five bucks only, I, compared to last year I spent three hundred until the last day, until Sunday morning. And I'm so Ad glad you bought this. I'm so so glad you bought this. Adam Square Painter. 
um, who was the first guy to really do pixel artwork. Really the first one to actually paint it. Um, he's been doing it for like three and a half, four years. Uh, before I forget, I, I don't want to forget to mention that he gave me a really uh, really cool of Kabuki from Kabuki Quantum. He gave you one like that for... side, the size of Cookie, right? Yeah, for free, which was yeah. awesome. Which he did I me. love that he gave me He gave me Cookie um, three years ago or two years ago. My first manifest for my second. This was my fourth. He gave me Cookie for free. Um, so he sells it. He does like Earthbound characters. He does Mega Man. He does a good variety. And he does small ones. And he does p- portraits. And he does ones that are... He's known for this Contra one that's... It's it's the second level waterfall a boss, so that's third level. Yeah. And it's huge, and it's so detailed, and he always asks like three grand for it, which for all the amount of work that went into that, that's worth sure, it. Sure, yeah. But no one's ever bought it, so now it's like a mainstay there. So anyway, I think it was like a year and a half ago, or he mentioned to me a year and a half ago, that he was making a, a Google 13 one. Because I suggested to him to do it. And I even told him what image to do. I told him to do the image when the game starts before you press start, where it goes from the title screen to it shows him looking like, like this with the M16. And it says, um, I think it says um, Top Secret Episode or something. Or it doesn't even show that. Anyway, it's a really cool image. He's in a, he's in a tuxedo. He's got an M16. He's holding it. So he drew that about, what was it, four by three about? It's big. It's like four by three. Yeah. It's like that. It's sizable. It could yeah. be even bigger than that. It could be, it could be almost even four and a half by three and a half. Eh, I would say four by three, four but by whatever. Three. It's, it's a big it's painting. Big. Yeah. It's something that you hang tastefully over your couch in the living room. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for, for those 14 U.S. Google 13 fans out there. So, um, so he, he drew that and I think he was supposed to sell it during the year or last year because he had a buyer lined up. I think last year I said, yeah, for the price, I was like, eh, it's a little pricey, blah, blah, blah. He said, that's all right. I, I did it for someone. They're going to, they're going to buy it. They never bought it. They backed out of the sale. So it comes Sunday morning when I I, did, I had honestly I didn't think about it the whole weekend, but it was precariously behind me the whole time in the booth. Well, he put, put it there for a reason. You think so? Yeah. Well, it was he had it when I when I when we got there. He, didn't he have had it. it hang, he had it. Display- he did have it out the first. Yeah, he had days. it displayed the first day, and then he put it behind the counter like this is going home with Pat. <laughs> so we, we to make a long story short. We negotiated a price that I thought was it was at least fair to the fact that he didn't have to lug it back home. And honestly, if, if I didn't, it was more than fair. If I didn't buy that. No one else is going to buy that. He would have a hard time finding a Google 13 uh, NES fan to get that. Let's be honest. It'd be hard, but for the amount of work that he put into that, you got that for... It wasn't a steal. It uh, wasn't. You got it for a steal. I got it for a fair price. I got it for... <laughs> I basically got it for, I think, the amount of work he put into it. Whatever. But uh, then, uh, then I, I got it shipped. So Because there was a FedEx office there to ship. Um, so basically, I had to carry this big thing out, and I was, I was pissed I bought it because I didn't want to spend that much on anything. I was like, wow... I actually made money here. I don't. Dis- I'm gonna only spend four bucks. So I actually went. When I bought, I said "fuck" after the deal, which was oh, funny. I'm crying so hard for you right now. I was crying as I as I walked to the FedEx office. And the funny thing, as I said before, there was an astronomical society meeting. So I, um, the FedEx people, they charge you to to ship it. This was a weird size. They didn't have the right box. So I had to I had to cut it down myself. As I'm used to, like I always have weird stuff I sell in the past, like systems where you have to cut two boxes together, tape yeah. them, whatever. I had to do that. And I actually did it instead of the FedEx lady. I think I must have more experience like cutting down boxes than her, scoring it, folding it over, you know, putting it inside. And so while I'm doing that, two 60-year-old Japanese men, I mean Japanese, can't don't speak English, come over and are like helping helping me do it. <laughs> Which obviously is great because it's Google 13. And if they, if they they didn't see what it was, but ha- had they seen it, they would have went nuts. I almost <laughs> felt like I almost 
I should have said Google 13 to them. I, I should have pointed and said Google 13. They would have been like, oh, they would have been, they would have been so happy. I don't know why I didn't think about that. It sort of ruins the story for me that you didn't tell them. I know. I, sh- I didn't think about it. I, something was like some sort of psychic connection. that Because Google 13 is huge in Japan. Yes. It's, it's a cultural phenomenon. It's their James Bond. You walk down the streets. It's, he's on billboards. He's on TV commercials for beer. I mean, I can't understate it. He's on condoms. Like, if you search for a Google 13 stuff on eBay and search international stuff, you see, like, designer watches come up. Yeah. You know, you see, they still make, like, tw- like the 14-inch, like, figures that go for hundreds of dollars. I, it's, it's huge. Right. The, the manga still is produced every month. It's up to, like, issue 480 ever since, like, 67. They've been doing one every two months or so or whatever. So, anyway, that's a funny story about that. And then I didn't get the con flu because I was taking a Zycam like two a day just to make sure. You know what I did? Yeah. I drank a lot and ate poorly. And you know who doesn't have con flu? Me. Surprising because you were sick the week before. No con flu. No, no con flu? No con flu. So uh, you might be back. Vonnie might want to go back. You had a good time. So you had the, a good time. I had a really good time. Um, whether or not I go back, well, I plan on getting married this year. And Is it going to be this year? Probably. And there's some family stuff going on that I won't get into, but I'm probably good have to take a, an emergency trip home at some point. So I don't know with time off Comic-Con what it's going to look like, but uh, I did make it known to my employer that this is something that I would probably want to do well, again next go. year. So so thank, thank you, Pat, for dragging me out. Oh, thanks, there. Pat, for dragging me. Three years in a row I wanted you to go, and finally you come out. So that's it for MAGFest. Fun times. Fun, good stuff. Oh, and, and Rue had to just go. He had to go to the $40 brunch. Oh, buffet on Sunday, which was worth it, but he was whining like a baby until he went. I refused. Can we talk? No, let's not talk about the hospitality suite. No, I, 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 want, I want to be invited back. As a yeah. <laughs> so moving on, uh, PlayStation Now. So <clears throat> PlayStation has unveiled, Sony has unveiled um, a service called PlayStation Now that they will be rolling out in the future. Uh, and it's a streaming service, uh, as far as anyone can tell, much like a Netflix for... Uh, PlayStation 4. Um, it'll also be for Vita, uh, various tablets, smartphones. So it's a cloud service. It's Yes, it's making use of Gaikai, which they bought earlier in uh, 2012. And so it's not really based... In t- it's, it's very minimally based on the performance of your hardware um, and largely based on uh, you know whether or not you have a, a, an item that they will let you run PlayStation now through. Um it's going to cover, I believe, PlayStation 3 games, and I believe they had already said PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2, as well as Vita and, uh, you know, download type stuff. So now we know why the PS4 was not going to be backwards compatible. They made us plan all well, along. Well, they had already... They, I mean, everyone could see this coming. They purchased Gaikai before they announced these things, and they said there would be some sort of streaming or cloud-based service. So this really isn't a surprise. It's just now they're announcing it. Now the question is, the the bigger surprise, I think, was that they're going to be allowing this sort of stuff on, like, tablets and smartphones. Um, Which is is a big deal. And they were demoing things like, you know, Last of Us, which pushed the PlayStation 3 to its limits, you know, running on on things like portables that shouldn't really be running it. You know, you're basically using your system, or say your tablet, as a controller to play something long distance. And it works because you're not processing it on that device, it's on the cloud. Right. Um, They've said that you'll be able to rent games individually. For X amount of time, or that you'll be able to sign up for a subscription-based service. Did, um, did, did they announce the price of the, of the service yet? To my knowledge, they have not. It's it's interesting as a person who likes to own physical media, uh, especially with games. You know, see with Netflix, 
I don't care if I own a DVD necessarily, except for like certain anime series or movies or cartoons. I'm usually okay with just having it available for streaming. But with games, I like to own it, and if this is where things are going, um, I don't know, nothing's... It's too impermanent for me when I like to be able to go back to games. Um, If they take something off of Netflix, no big deal. I have a lot of other ways to get it. But if they take... If if this is the future, if this is what we transition to... Oh, yeah. And they take a game off of it because of, say, like the Activision... Recent Activision problems where they're losing the Marvel copyrights. They're they're pulling things off. Well, what the hell happens if in a generation or two this is the only way we're getting our games and then we can't play them anymore? Um, This conversation actually came up when we were talking to... uh, I was actually talking to Square Painter about it. Was um, talking about digital games and how already it's sort of screwing up the marketplace for collectors. What happens if you get a 360 10 years from now and you want to get a game that's got some real crippling bugs in it? Uh, let's say Fallout New Vegas. Good game, but the launch version of it had some You're bugs. You can't and you can't bugs, get the patch. Patches. What 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 can you do? You know, so... A lot of I, I don't. You're gonna, you're gonna have to depend almost on these services taking over for that, and then you get the game with the patch, and then you're gonna you gotta pay for their used ones instead of from a store. Right, as long as things keep going well and they keep making money, everything might well, be okay. But the problem is, at some point, something catastrophic could happen. Well, the market could take a dip, and we suddenly don't have the games we want to play let, as let, easily available. Let's go back to the, the collecting part. Let's sure. stick with it here and now for now. So basically, they're, they're gonna position this as Netflix for the PlayStation Library, which is a brilliant idea. Sure. I, I mean, I would sign up price. for that. Yeah. the price. I, I, I see this in my crystal ball. I see this being something like nineteen ninety nine a month, uh, for the entire library of games that well, the Sony has the rights to put out. But that'll be worth it, I think, to a lot of people. They, they're going to be going online and being like, "Wow, I can play Ridge Racer again, or I can play this again." You made me happy. <laughs> Without spending, you know, Nintendo. I just got a 3DS, and one of the things I was not shocked about, but I was kind of perplexed why how an NES game on the 3DS was five dollars, and how that seemed unreasonable. I thought it'd be a dollar or two, which is what I think what they originally were on the on the Wii. They weren't five bucks. No, they were per, five. They were always five. The pricing was five dollars for that, eight dollars for Super and Genesis, ten for N64. Either way, it's way too much money. It, it really is. Um, for nothing, something that has almost no overhead besides getting the license. And if Nintendo owns it, there is no overhead. So for this, this would be good because this is like, I don't have to buy these individual games which would cost me hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Sure. 20 bucks a month, even though that's still, it could be a couple hundred bucks over the year, I have everything there. I have everything. Right. If, if they don't rotate things out rapidly and they, they really do work on a big library. See, here's the thing. I've seen this going around and I agree with it. What they need to do is they need to make sure that they, they put the focus into the U.S. market. It's like when they did the PlayStation 1 Classics and the PS2 stuff on the PlayStation 3 in Japan. Mm-hmm. Japan got an incredibly huge PlayStation 1 library. The U.S. got almost none of it. They need to focus on a central server and they need to make it region-free. Um, you know, you, you cannot you cannot expect us to pay for this. And I'm not even just talking about import games that never came out here. Games that completely got a U.S. translation were released in Japan and never got that release here mm-hmm. for PlayStation 1. They need to make sure that there's enough content to back up the price. And they need to leave it up. And I need to feel... Well, comf- they, they will as long as it's... Well, of course, if it's Sony stuff, it'll be up forever. But if it's a licensing thing for another company, who knows? Well, yeah. And I mean, that's where you run into the problems. We don't know run- the breadth of it yet. We don't know if it's going to be... What, if it's going to be Final Fantasy games or not, or if that's going to be uh, precluded from the streaming service because they have to pay extra money to license those games. You know what I mean? We don't know those parts of it yet. 
what I would almost hope to see, and I think this is hoping too much, is but instead of putting effort into uploading games for one-time purchases on, like, the PlayStation Store, they persuade everyone that the subscription fee is what to do, and they simply translate that store over to the, the, the subscriber service. The problem is, and this has already been addressed by Sony, is if you already own a game, you don't get that game again. So if I have a digital download of Final Fantasy IX, Mm-hmm. on my PlayStation 3, I don't automatically get that game free to play as a rental on the, the, the using the streaming store. Which I now see. if you're going to pay the subscription fee anyway, that will that burn yeah. that burn negates it, it negates itself. It's fine in the end, but but it, rebuy, it, w- but, it yeah. but it would be nice to see them as a goodwill gesture and use this as a way to give people the games they've already purchased and then they're not. Yeah, well, they're probably different servers, probably complicated technically. But at least but at least they're trying to do something nice like this. And I see them not well eating Microsoft's lunch for this because this is something Microsoft never even thought of. Their whole thing was, well, we have DRM because you can share games. This is a, this is a library that you can purchase month to month. That to, that appeals to me a lot more personally. Yeah. Having a, having a, net, a real Netflix for games and not a game for live service. This appeals to me more. So it, it appeals to me, and I think I think Sony ha- we've neglected to mention this. Sony has been kind of testing these waters. Their PlayStation Plus service has kind of been a test of this, and it's been getting them a lot of good publicity. They put up a bunch of games for free. As long as you download the game and you keep your PlayStation Plus service, you get to keep that free game. Um, they change them rapidly. They give you a bunch of sales, and people see it as worth the money. So if this is sort of a thing where they can do the same thing with this service and almost transition it, they, they would do well. This is interesting. Yes. And this is from the, the additional information that came out. In addition to PlayStation platforms, you mentioned it being available potentially if you buy the game since it's a cloud, you're going to have it on your Vita as well as your system. Yeah. Most 2014 U.S. models of Sony's Bravia TV lineup will support PS yes. Now. Yeah, I forgot so that's that. really cool. Yeah. Because if you buy any TV the past four years, uh, you you have streaming services available on it, whether right. it's like um, uh, like a Roku type of device, you can do it. But you but like like for example, like Blip has a, like a service that when you upload to Blip your video, like a YouTube person uploads to Blip, it goes out into all these other device potential, like these device libraries. Sure. So this is, means that this is a library that'll be on all the TVs that you buy automatically. So that means you won't need a PlayStation. You'll just need an account and pay. And right. then you can, I guess, hook a controller somehow, and there you go. It's like it's like the, the streaming game services that died out a couple of years ago. Someone had said that, you know, what's the point of even having a PS4 at this point? Well, you can't do the PS4 you games. You can't do the PS4 games. But but still, I mean, for the, what, what, what drives me... Well, not drives me. What, what I think is kind of crazy about this, though, is it almost... Sony's almost trumping themselves so fast, I wonder where they're going to... When they're going to stop and how they're going to make money. Because... The Vita TV was supposed to be this, basically. But no one has a Vita. Well, but it would play Vita games, it would play the PlayStation 1 games, the PlayStation, and it would play the download but library. No was gonna... But now you've got this. Yeah. So it's just, I, I'm trying to think of what one benefit is over the other. I still thought the Vita TV was a neat little device if you had a PS3 or a Vita. But now with this, depending on how well they support it, there's no need for well, that. Well, this could, this could help sell Vitas. It really could. Um, well, yeah, because you could take it on the go. Yeah. Sure. PS Go that did well, um, yeah. I think Sony's realizing they're not in the handheld market really. They're, it's that's almost like a, yeah, not don't bother. I, I like but, my Vita, but man, it, yeah, they're not in it. They're not in it. Though this they give up Nintendo. But here's what's interesting: eventually, the service will expand beyond PlayStation platforms and Sony devices, allowing users to stream PlayStation games on numerous other internet-connected devices. I think eventually they're going to say fuck it. 
three years from now, four years, four years from now, you'll be able to stream their service on a PC. It'll be, oh, sure. it'll be like Steam. You'll be paid 20 bucks a month or whatever, and you can play all the games emulated on your computer, which yeah. is a cool idea. That's really cool. And that's getting way... You imagine Nintendo came out with something like that with the Nintendo library? Everyone would sign up for that. Just just from the Nintendo licenses alone, they would make a killing. Yeah, license to print money. They make a killing. They could charge thirty bucks a month, and people would do that. If you got if you got all the Super Nintendo, N sixty four, GameCube, and NES games, uh, all the all just the, the NES, uh, all the Nintendo published ones. Yeah. Forget it. You, you it would it would it would almost like be like why would you need to buy, you know, well for the other games, but you know what I mean. Like people, most people get satisfied with that. But no, it's a really good idea. I'm glad to see Sony trying to do something a little bit different here. I think what it comes down to is tech, and we'd have to. See, I, in reality, we'll have to see how it works with a full network. Sure. You know, something like a fighting game can't afford a moment of lag. Yes, but I think we're getting to the point now that in the future, lag is going to be so minimal. And plus, it's from the cloud too, so the, the cloud negates lag somewhat because the processing is it does. Oh. For whatever whatever streaming technology, you remember that service? What was, what was the streaming service that just died out? It was good. It was up for, I can't even remember the name of it. It was around for so long. It wasn't plus. GameFly, was it? No, it was. I don't remember. GameFly is the, the like the Netflix where you send it where back. you actually get. But there it. was one. That it was like Game On or lot whatever it was. Uh, live on live game. Yeah, game. they were they were at E3 a few years ago. Wieners. Like, I don't remember. But they but you play it. Whatever technology they had, proprietary like. You could play multiple. Well, this games. is basically what Gaikai is in Japan, and yeah. Sony bought it. And this is basically just Sony branded Gaikai, only it okay. works better. So you'll look into getting this probably at some point if you get a PS. You don't have a PS4 yet, right? No, no. But I, it's I, interesting. But I, but it is something I would look into. Definitely never going to get a, get an Xbox One, but you know, PS4. I can start doing uh, PS4 reviews and Wii U reviews. My God. All right, so PS Now. We'll see what happens. Uh, closed beta. Uh, starting soon, but this summer they're going to look to launch it. So we'll see. All right. I think it's time. It's time for some Q and A, and we'll probably get another topic. Usually we have three, four topics, but uh, talk about I can talk about Anchorman two real quick. It's only a movie I saw really the past few weeks. It was funny. It was honestly funny. The first one I was kind of like, yeah, it's funny, but I never want to watch it again. I have a very bizarre sense of humor, and uh, Anchorman two. If you have a bizarre sense of humor, then that's what it caters towards. It's definitely not a pandering sort of comedic thing. Yeah, you get the yelling jokes of like Steve Carell and you know and everyone else, but it really is. There's some sharp jokes. Obviously, there's some misses too, and the character development for a couple of characters stinks, but it, it works overall. It, it's it's funny. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the first one. I tend to love or hate Will Ferrell. This based is the only specifically on his movies. This is the only Will Ferrell movie that you can you honestly can take him for two hours because he's so entrenched. He really lives as a character right he was doing he was on espn he did a like a north dakota broadcast you see it on youtube he actually had a uh, real yeah, news I broadcast I, I mean i didn't watch but for I saw some that he did one. like three thousand person you know town that like there's no news he actually did it in character like and not being funny just did it and the past three months he's lived as, as a character supposedly on saturday night live one of the jokes with jim brewer and tracy morgan that jim brewer told was that like uh he would be in, like in character in 2003. He was in character when they came back from that live. They would try to get him out of character or whatever, whatever characters they were. It could have been even the late 90s. And um, he wouldn't ever get out of character. He was living as a character. So that's my short little Anchorman 2 thing. It takes place in San Diego. I tried to be an extra for it for the SeaWorld scene. Everyone did. Shot. Everyone in San yeah, Diego tried to be so, an extra. I, yeah, it was stupid. You, it, there was no close-ups at all, so it wouldn't matter anyway. Right. It was still funny. Now we'll go to Q&A. Hashtag... 
CU podcast. I also got an email read off as one of the things remind me. Someone sent me like a, a CU podcast email. I just I just love I love the wording of it. It's a little bit rude, but it is a different culture. Are we going to a ma- are we going to the, our first ever mailbag segment? Is that what we're we doing? Going yeah. to the mailbag. This is from Magnus Strom. <laughs> All right. This is from Magnus Strom. It says an email, Mister Contry. I should read the whole thing real quickly. Do an unnecessary podcast episode on the topic of the lifespan of video games, the physical copies that is, and that of the consoles and computers or whatever more there is. Everyone must understand that every single floppy disk, cartridge, Hue card, CD, DVD, GD-ROM, Blu-ray, and cassette will eventually break. They all will. With the consoles, it, it is the same. Electronic gadgets and machines and computers have a limited time of use. They will all give and die. They will frankly stop working at one point. And what then? What will happen? I don't know. What will happen then? What will you, Mr. Contry, do with your massive collection then? What will people who have a collection of video computer games do when they can no longer play them, keep them as memorabilia, as antiquities? The long-time future of games must, almost surely, lie in emulators. As I see it, a digital <laughs> copy on the internet can live forever, and close on a ROM or optical disc, a magnetic diskette or cassette, will it, however, die with it? But or can't. would someone start a new production of Amiga 500s, the greatest machine ever, <laughs> Commodore 64s, Nintendo Entertainment Systems, Dreamcast, and so forth? Is that all po- at all possible? It is. People are doing it. Uh, personally, would I love to buy a newly produced Commodore 64 or Mega Drive or Amiga 500 or Ellipsis if I could certainly use their software directly on them? So, okay. It goes on. Wow. All right. Yeah, wow. So, okay. People are making new consoles. They've been doing it for like five, six years. Yes. New, new NESs, Super Nintendo's, Genesis's. Um, they're making new controllers for Dreamcast and Genesis. The Restaurant 5 is coming out, which plays like nine different systems. I need to really address this. The idea of a ROM being eternal is not true. Anything that is stored digitally is, is potentially fucked. I mean, there's there's really... I mean... A ROM is not the safe answer out. I mean, it's it's safer, but I, I don't know. We did kind of talk about this actually at the collecting panel. I think Rue was the one who spoke most authoritatively on it. Um, it was about preservation about preservation and about you know uh, you know bit rot and you know optical discs going bad over time. And uh, I think it's just something that we accept. I also think that as as this generation of game players, we don't worry too much about it because it's not going to affect us. Um, and if it was something that could be preventable in any real way, I think we would be taking those precautions. But um, well, I think the point is that the point is that to get the ROMs dumped, they're they're available forever on on the internet. And yeah, I, yes, in theory, in that theory. not every server and everyone's computer is going to get destroyed. So there's a nuclear holocaust. There's right. always going to be one yeah. copy somewhere, right? Hidden on, on some guy's hard drive in a closet. It's there. But I mean, you look at that, and it's kind of funny to think about. But I've thought about it a lot, uh, especially late at night. Is you know, you could, depending on certain catastrophes and things, get to the point where digital copies are almost uh, valued. Skynet takes them out. Now, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. A rare ROM that it was dumped. It used to be that way in the early 90s, you know, with computers, you know, uh, having having a rare cracked copy of something netted you some bit of trading power, even though it was instantly tradable. You know, if you had something, you know, until you traded it away for X number of things and those people traded it away. But, you know, if you're the, the, if if you're one of the sole owners of a, of a cracked copy of something or a, a digital copy of something, it still does provide you with leverage. Sure. 
So I guess what we're saying is that I think I think even you know who knows how long these cards will last. Could be a couple hundred years. Could be a thousand years. Is if it's taken care could of. Could be tomorrow. We all start experiencing huge problems. You imagine that? Well, just one day, like a switch, they all stop working. <laughs> I think these would still all, would still be cherished, though. I honestly do. I think I think to a certain type of collector, and I think at this point we're talking true collectors, not me necessarily. And but I hate to but, say, if you ever wanted to, just you can burn a ROM chip. On, we can reflash it. Yeah, yeah, you can reflash it. Yeah. So. Yes, I think that this stuff, you know, even if everything did get wiped out, having an original case that was reflashed would still be worth something. Yeah. No one would know. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Huh. NWCs are going to... I point to it's not there. It's in the bank. <clears throat> but of the NWCs, eventually, those, since those are uh, EPROMs... Those gonna, are EPROMs. Those will probably die quicker than anything else. Who knows how long, but yeah, those will die. Yeah. But mine, mine's not dead yet. Both no. are still fine. Hope we answer your long question, Magnus. Got to be cool with the Magnus. You got to be a robot fighter or you're from Norway. One or mm-hmm. the other. Agreed. <laughs> All right. What's the, this is this is a topic we're going to get into. This will be a topic. And we'll start from here. This is from at Seth GFP. <clears throat> I've started collecting a few uncommon SNES cards. What's the best way to avoid fakes or repros? Well, it's getting tougher. And this is a topic I want to talk about. Um, there's, uh, I think there's, we're getting to a point now that... It's officially a bubble, and before I I, I was tr- I was kind of leery by saying there's a bubble and if there's one coming, I think we're getting to it now because now we're getting to the point where repros and scams are coming more prevalent. Yeah, and when that happens, you get to a point where either people do not trust <clears throat> trust the market they're getting into anymore to make high price purchases, or they say fuck it, I don't want to be a part of this. Right, and at that point. The $800 game you have, if people don't no longer want it, they see it as a danger, the price is going to drop dramatically. Um, so, for example, uh, uh, I've heard a story, I've seen it published, and it's happening more and more, that someone in Europe bought a Flintstones Dinosaur Peak, they bought it, the label looked fine, and they open it up, and it's not the original board. It's a different board that was created. That's starting to happen. Who knows how, how what the percentage is, but if it's starting to happen at least once... And it gets in people's heads. That's trouble. On eBay, they're starting to sell, and they're not getting blocked. People are are trying to sell exact uh, labels of Flintstones Dinosaur Peak. So I guess if you have a damaged copy, you can replace it. But no one's going to do that. They're going to try to pawn off copies that are fake. Anyone who wants a cop, anyone who has a copy of that, knows that replacing it with a label that could be exposed as a fake is only ruining the value of their game. Yes. It's it's like it's like if you're into antique furniture, they always say that refinishing it will make it less valuable than leaving it in its original condition. Um, I don't know what to say. It's awful, but I would not personally myself, and I hope this becomes something that people adopt. I would not buy a game that costs more than a hundred or hundred and fifty, especially if it's cartridge. I'm taking a source. screwdriver to yeah. it, and it's from a good source. Without taking a screwdriver to it okay. to check the board, but that's that's officially where we're at, though. Yeah. Because now, if you go on eBay, I and I try to flag them on eBay when I see them because there's counterfeit. You're not supposed to sell uh, uh, copyrighted artwork <clears> on games. Right. I don't give a shit if the game's out of print. I mean, you you can get away with. You know, it's it's technically illegal for websites like Retro USB to come out with prototype repros or repros of NWC cards, but at least those look different. Right, that's they, per- they go out of their way to they make, sure. make it sure it looks different, yeah. and they're not making same event uh, ROM boards. That's like we don't want to do that because that'll be people just trying to take those boards out and then get get uh, other labels and put them in. That's fine, but now on eBay, you have people finding the Flintstones Dinosaur Peak Famicom cart and selling them as kits. You get the Famicom cart. 
and we'll give you uh, an NES uh, cartridge, or even not, it doesn't even matter, you can find one yourself, you can get a golf game open up, and we'll give you that, and we'll give you the converter, so now you have a little Famicom converter to the game, and so you can pawn it off as the real thing, for your collection! Yeah, I, I don't know. That's stupid. I don't. I, I feel like as much as I talk about collectors, I feel like any real collector, no matter what they're in it for, money or whatever, is is not going to do that. It's only a scammer who's going to be in- interested in that. So you you heard it here first. I I think this is going to be the year where it starts to tumble. I really do because this is now becoming something more serious. Uh, and I and you you've heard stories before about Earthbounds uh, being uh, reproed and and sold, but now this is something I've seen with my two eyes that. Now when you go on eBay, you're seeing these labels sold every day. Flintstones Dinosaur Pete carts, carts. And honestly, I've been tracking like the, the, the sales of Flintstones Dinosaur Pete carts on eBay, and it, it is getting less and less. Either that's because there's less available, or the, or the collectors want it, or people are starting to mistrust it. So they want to get an $800 and $1,000 for a game that now it could be fake. You've, you've officially killed your own, your own uh, hobby, at least for that game. At least you killed the market for that one game. Right. Your greed has, uh, has been your undoing. Basically, and that's what that's what happens with, with comics, with hoarding and chromium plates, and and it could happen to these high price games. Right. And I welcome it. So, yeah. there you go. Next question: What video game is from uh, Jaron? Hey Jaron, what video game box cover would you enlarge, frame, and put on your wall? Mine, Katamari Damashi, which I don't know what that is. That would be an awesome cover. You don't know what Katamari is? That sounds familiar. What is it? It's the one where you're the prince, the little green prince, and you roll the ball around to pick things up. And the ball as the, thing. Yeah, okay. As the ball gets bigger okay. and bigger, you get pick up larger and larger is things. Is that GameCube? No, it was PlayStation 2. Okay. And the cover is really nice looking, and in the background, it just shows like a cow in a pasture, and in the background, there's like a rainbow, and there's like a big ball rolling you know what's up. funny? Uh, I might uh, own that. Keep going. I'll see if I Probably do. <laughs> uh, if I had to pick one, I would probably do the the original Star Soldier cover art for the Famicom cartridge, which is it. the cover art for the U.S. Starship Hector. That's right. You told me they switched it. Yeah, they switched it. I love that they, cover art. Why would they switch that? I don't know. It's ridiculous, but I, I would I would love to have that. There should, be a, a Starship, there should, there should be a Starship Hudson B with a big Hudson B inside. That's what it should be. <laughs> what about you? What are you doing? I'm checking to see if I have that game. Um, well, I had to say Top Secret episode, but no, that wouldn't be the, the first because the Top Secret episode art is not good. It's just silver. It's just silver. And, and Google 13 is really small. That's a tough one. I don't... I'm not the person that really keep track of, of art that much. I mean, I use the Dell Dragon 2 art, which is fantastic for my DVD We've used that twice now. We use it for the we marathon. For the marathon. So that must be DVD. good, and it's behind you on the wall. Yeah. So just um, say that as your I'm just going to say that <laughs> yeah. right now. You obviously have an affinity for it. <laughs> this is from, um, this is a funny one. This is at Retroblog. Ian, what do you find more offensive trading at the store? Sports games or porn DVDs? <laughs> I don't find the porn offensive. It just sits there until we throw it out. I'm I'm done with sports games. They're not. I mean, now there is offensive. Well, it's Tecmo Cup soccer, and it's hard to find. Well, yeah, but I mean, most sports games at this point, I just politely turn away. I do not have Katamari. Okay, I'm gonna skip a few, unfortunately. Uh, this is from Narc Podcast. Since collecting goes in waves, Ian, do you see an upswing on, for Sega on the horizon? I think it's due. I. Th- think that we I think that there's that potential I don't necessarily think it's 
immediately on the horizon. We also talked about this during the collecting panel at MAGFest. Um, you gotta look at it this way. Nintendo was very popular. Uh, people collected for the NES. As people started to fill out their sets, they laterally moved to the Master System and the Turbo Graphics. Um, fast forward five years, people who grew up with the Super Nintendo are collecting for the Super Nintendo. A lot of them are starting to get towards the end of that now. I do think we will see the Genesis get uh, its due. Uh, I don't know if it'll be this year, maybe next year, but I, I think I predicted that even last podcast because someone asked for like trend predictions. I think the Genesis will go up in price. I do. I, it just makes sense. People always need places to go in retro gaming once they're done with something. And mm-hmm. Genesis just makes sense. Especially because like the Master System, like the Turbo Graphics, when those got big, the Genesis right now is cheap. The first few people who decide, fuck it, I'm going all in on Genesis, are going to get out of there with a collection where only a handful of games are going to cost them more than a hundred bucks. You got Musha. You got Musha and it, Senti, or the uh, Crusader Senti are the first ones that I always think of. Herzog's Y even worth that much? Yeah, no, I mean it, it, it's one of the harder to like find games, but bucks it's or something. Six. I, I sold my last copy for thirty, and I think I double checked to make sure that was a fair price. I was looking for Time Killers. It's like a thirty dollars. Time, time Killers is is yeah. See, here's the thing: like Time Killers and Herzog's Y, the tier like just below Musha and Senti is like in the so it's twenty five to fifty dollar range. So it's almost like Master System. It's only a couple of games that are really worth over a hundred bucks. Yeah, I, I think I don't want to be part of it, but if you want to get into Genesis, do it now because yes. It will get you know, a bump. I don't know if it'll be right away. The only thing that has going against it, besides the fact that there's no new Sega systems, that's always something I say too, is the fact that half of the library is also on the Super Nintendo. But to a collector, that wouldn't matter. I'm just to, saying, to a that's completionist the only thing, collector, that's not going to matter. Yeah, but that's the only thing at least that hurts the least to get into it. It's like okay, there's so much crossover. Obviously, obviously there's good games that were not on the Super Nintendo or vice versa, but. That's the only thing I'm saying. That might hurt a little bit. It's not a unique set. But to someone who's coming off of Super Nintendo, and I, I, it's it's well known that I'm not a huge on the Super, but to someone who's coming off of Super Nintendo, it would be the same as someone who's coming off a of Genesis collection. We were still at that weird point in time where a Genesis version of a game and a Super Nintendo version of the game could be wildly freaking different. The Tournament Fighters Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games, True. incredibly different. Aladdin, the Aladdin, Aladdin wildly different. different. So, it, yes, there are some games that are going to be mostly the same, but... I think there's going to be enough differences to keep it interesting for those who have finished up their Super Nintendo sets. So, okay, we'll see. Uh, by the way, I probably have like well over 200 Genesis games. Yeah. Uh, What's the library? Like 800? Something like that. Uh, I don't even know off the top of my head. It's off for a long time. It's for like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, 88 to, I mean, 89 to 98, about. Yeah. If you count well, you got to count. They were still producing games in the late, late 90s. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Metal Gear series? I never really followed it. Besides, of you know, the NES one, I think it's an experiment in storytelling. It's fascinating. I'm not huge on stealth games. The first one was the only one that I played with any uh, any enthusiasm. That's from M. Geiger. This is from at Andrew Parada one. Highlander reboot for or against? You might as well reboot the damn thing. They've ruined it with the shitty movies with the uh, Highlander uh, Endgame and the Source, and with the stupid Highlander the Raven series. A series would be the best way to go uh, with Highlander. The series was the best exploration of immortality and the morality issues that might go along with that. A movie, it's harder to boil it down, but whatever. They're, uh, they were supposed to do the reboot with, uh, what's his name, who's playing Deadpool, uh, Ryan Reynolds, who's supposed to be it, but I think he left the project, but whatever. I think the best way, again, a TV show is probably the best way. They've really mishandled that franchise. The, the people that own it, they've really done done awful by the past like 12 years. Sir Ian, do you like ending the Sega 3D classes on 3DS? Yeah, I, I love um, So I own... 
the Space Harrier, the Super Hang-On, the Galaxy Force 2, and the Sonic the Hedgehog 3D Classics on the 3DS. I really love all of them. The Sonic one is just nice because it lets you have the spin dash and the 3D effect is great. Um, I wouldn't wholeheartedly recommend it. What I would say is any of the Super Scalar games they've done look phenomenal in 3D. Like One of the few times I use the 3D a lot on my 3DS is for those. And they're arcade perfect ports of Super Scalar games with a lot of options, which really aren't readily available. Even the Galaxy Force 2 port on the Saturn is only pushing six or 30 frames per second when it should be 60. So for some of these games like Galaxy Force 2, this is like the truest version you have of, of an arcade game. Um, they're really nice. They're worth the money. I'm hoping with round two that Sega recently announced, we see some other super scalar stuff like Outrun. Uh, this is from at Gutsant. Pat, before Denise, how did you convince Allison to knee you in the balls and kiss you passionately in some of your videos? Cash. <laughs> Cold hard money. Um, at uh, question about uh, this is at David Snuskrop. What would it take for Pat to finally get the awesomeness of the original Black and White Game Boy games? Such a great library. I know it's a good library. I just never had it as a kid, so I'm not exposed to it. Right. I know. Eventually, I should just sit down. You know what? The Retron Five. I'll sit down. I'll pop them in and play on the TV. I know you can do it with the Super Game Boy, but you really should. Um, the Black and White Library. I some. Yeah. The Black and White Library specifically. By the time you get to the color, they're pushing the shit out of the hardware to the point where they, they're not really. I mean, well, they're they're not pushing it. They're flogging it, and the, well, it doesn't work anymore. Basically. It just. It, 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 well, you're not getting a whole lot more out of it, really, other than a dim color palette on a non-backlit screen, and uh, the, if you look at the amount of like shitty licenses like Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen and you know Disney movie games on the color portion of it as opposed to the black and white more of your original better games are black and white um, yeah that's the best portion of the Game Boy library to explore this, we answered one about the downloadable games hurting the video game question we were talking about that this is from uh, Helen who you met finally Gower Hello, in the Desert. sucks I can't be able to listen live but here's a question what is your least favorite arcade game least favorite arcade game which is one I'm trying to think of one that I played and just like walked away after like not even finishing my quarter. That's probably what it comes down to. That's a tough one though. You know what I don't like a lot. I'm gonna get shit for this is the original couple of gauntlets. I really don't really? like them Why? because I hate that ever dwindling health meter that they that. used to suck your coins out of your pockets. Well, you could get health. Yeah, you could, but you know, I mean, I, ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh, yeah, 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 he's hungry. Ooh. Okay, well, maybe he should have had a fucking meal before he ventured <laughs> into the goddamn yeah, dungeon. It's almost as if, like, yeah, we would be dead within a day if we didn't eat. That's how the t- you start with nine health. Yeah, so right. Gauntlet, the the idea of the game, I always thought was fun, especially for players in the '80s. You know, that would have been a big deal. But yeah, the 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 draining health pisses me off. All right, we're going to skip a few. This is at Dear Someone, John Jablonski. For Ian, in caps. So it's for Ian! What's up, John? If someone walks into Luna and wants to buy a shit game, will you warn them? Here's here's the deal. As a business, I have to make money, but I am very honest. If someone walks in and grabs a shit game or comes up to me and says, I want Deadly Towers for the NES, I say, can do, sir, and I sell it to him. All anyone has to do is ask me if a game is good or bad, and I will steer them away from it. I don't know why someone might want a shit game. Maybe they need it for their collection. I'm not going to try. But 
every day someone's like, do you know something about this game? And I'm like, yeah, that one's awful. Buy something else. So yeah, I will definitely steer people in the direction of better games. I don't force sell anything. If I think it's crap, I don't try to sell out people on anything. But if someone has their own reasons for wanting to buy a shit game, I just assume that they know it's shit. If they need to know an opinion on it, they'll ask me. This is a, could have been a topic. This was announced today, but this is a question. So we're going to talk about it for like a few minutes. Um, where's the actual question? Breaking topic. Talk announcement of the WWE Network today, which is going to be a streaming online service. Oh, okay. Game changer? New model for internet media? Will you buy? So basically to backtrack... For about a year and a half, they wanted to release a new actual TV network, WWE. They right. were working on it. They announced it as coming soon. So that, so that was going to be the flagship channel for, for Raw, for SmackDown, for a lot of the other stuff they have uh, out there. Um, what happened since then, in, the, in a year and a half, WWE has done good, uh, done well to really push their YouTube channel. And do like weekly shows. Like there's a Dolph Ziggler weekly mailbag show. Mm. I think there's a, there's a show with... Uh, What's uh, Michael Cole, who's the play-by-play, right. and him and, and uh, John Bradshaw Layfield doing a show? So I think that got got their got their sort of feet wet, where they decided, well, why don't we just go to the internet more? They have an app now where you can. It's really actually cool. It's gimmicky, but like you can actually download the app and decide. Who, like they'll ask you on the WWE app every week. They do it. Like who who should they face in the match, or what's the stipulation? And you can watch the match on your phone while it goes to commercial. All right. So some cool stuff. It's not totally useless. Um, I think it's free. There must be ads on it or whatever. It may cost a buck, but whatever. So now they're going to, I guess, bring a streaming service, right? So I'm guessing you'll be able to watch Raw on your TV and SmackDown. Probably not the pay-per-view still, because obviously they want you to pay 50 bucks. So it's going to be 10 bucks a month. 10 bucks a month to watch probably old matches and to watch probably the new shows on your stream. Would well, that make sense to me? Because a lot of times I want to work on my computer, but I want to watch Raw, Raw if you don't DVR. So 10 bucks a month. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know that I'd bite. Um, you know, I've MLB's been, done it. NHL's done sure. it. Uh, football. I'm not <laughs> saying, yeah, I'm not saying it, it couldn't work. Uh, you know, as I've, I've explained on the podcast before and to you that I've gotten just a little bit back into wrestling after like over a decade out of caring about it. And I'm mostly just watching old stuff with my friends and discussing it with them online. But it, I guess it would depend on the amount of content because I hate watching it all on a computer. I'd much rather watch it on a TV. Um, I think for fans, it would be big. Could you just imagine? I don't know what really to say about this other than can you imagine what this would have done for them if the technology was available in like '97 to 2001? Wow, or even blow it up even bigger. Yeah, like it would have been insane. Um, frankly, it doesn't excite me much, but if you're into it, and depending on what type of content they're going to give you, if you can access, depending on how deep they let your your access to old Raws go, well, they own everything now. Oh, well, I know they, they do. They own they right. own every wrestling library, AWA. NWA, they own all but a few of the regions that held out. So they own like 90% of all the wrestling footage going back 50 years. Right, I get that. To me, it's, you know, the value of it to I think even a big wrestling fan is going to be how deep do they let you go into that footage. That'll be interesting. To me, it would be like they should make it searchable. I want to see Sting. You put in like a wrestler name, the year, or the wrestler and the opponent, and then if 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 they get to that level, I would probably buy it. Give me give me Macho Man Savage victories, and boom, give me a list. Give me give me give me Hulk Hogan defeats. Boom. Give me Sting, nineteen eighty nine WCW. Bam. Right. All all the available matches come up. If 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 they can put out something like that, 
That'd be incredible. I would get it even just for a couple of months just to get, get get it out of my fucking system. You know, just spend yeah. a couple well, of months. A lot of, it is yeah. on, a lot of it is on YouTube. That's probably Sure, but like I said, I don't, I don't like watching on a computer. Yes. Like, let me watch on a TV with an easy-to-navigate-and-search engine like that. Let me, well, this, let me put in filters like well, that. Well, I'm not sure this is going to be available on TVs right away, but eventually maybe it would, but it's gonna, definitely going to be on the internet. Oh, okay. That's so, what so, you meant. Okay. So it's going to be like the MLB.com one or, or the NFL one I you pay you. to watch it. But it's still cool. Uh, yeah. that, no, I'm slightly no. deflated now. Well, just get just get a box for your TV, and that's what the, where it all that's where it's at. You Technology know? is scary. Technology is scary. <laughs> this is from at Game On. Are the rumors true that Ian has his own YouTube channel? O Face. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, uh, Sean, that is true. I don't have anything on there though. There is. Uh, I simply have an account, which counts as having a channel. Uh, this is from at Ryu Wilson. Could I get advice on finding a good place to do retro game trades? Most people I know want above eBay prices, even on trades. Well, they're assholes. You got to find friends. You got to find people that are collect. Here's the thing: most collectors are assholes. I say that time and time again. No, it is, and I say time and time again. You have to make friends. Yes. And I don't know how many times we can say that. And that's not to sound mean to the person asking the question, but really, friends are your friends. And you need to make them if you want to do good trades. Um, I watched a number of really amicable trades go down at MAGFest, and it was between people who liked each other. Um, You know, like I said, having a presence on a forum, and I'm not going to mention the forum, but the one forum that I do post on that I've had for over eight years has allowed me to get some really nice PC Engine games for fairly cheap. Why don't you mention the forum? Because we like to keep it small and to 12 people. Um, I've been on that forum before. Ian. I don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, you, yeah, you got to put the time in to make the connections if you want to get, you know, decent trades. Or do it at a convention. Yeah. It's, you can do that with not with the vendors, but with other people that do a meetup. You know, I mean, put, I mean, I mean, it's yep. it's not hard to get a meetup together. Ask your local retro store to do a meetup. Some will do it. Digital Press in New Jersey. Um, they didn't care. Joe Joe Santoli would be like, "Yeah, guys, bring your own stuff, and you can trade your stuff." Fuck, he didn't care. Get six people together, meet in a fucking food court. I mean, yeah. just there you go. The, the thing is, is also the more people you have around, the better trades you're gonna get yes. because it's not just one on one. Yep. Um, this is from at Mike Ke three five two. That's named... that's Mike Anthony from the site. Oh, Mike Anthony from the site. Oh, he's wearing a scarf. scarf. I think I'm getting a multicolored beard. I think I'm getting a Vita soon. It's like McFoley. I think I'm getting a Vita soon. Any game suggestions from you or Ian? I don't. I wouldn't know anything about a Vita. Uh, yeah. I mean, as far as physical games go, uh, Persona 4 Golden, and you can laugh at me all you want, but Hot Shots Golf uh, is amazing on the Vita. It's so much freaking fun. Um, what I mostly use it for is downloads. Uh, some of the better download titles have been Lone Survivor. And uh, I love using it for Pinball Arcade. At Jordan JSNA20, what did you guys get for Christmas? I didn't get a whole lot. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 I've been trying to think. What did I get? I can't, I can't remember. I, I got, um... Oh, I got, like, food gift cards from my sister. I, it was like it was like a fifty dollars. It was actually pretty cool. It's like a whole like open table or something where you actually select where you can. It's a, it's a list of participating restaurants in San Diego, and there's like fifty of them. So there's a lot of good ones, and so you you select where you want to use it. Nice. That's what I got. And Frank didn't get me anything, which kind of makes me sad. I I asked for a bottle of absinthe. That's all I asked for. I love absinthe, and he didn't get it for me. But um, Frank's fine. I got a <laughs> I got a new netbook because I'm the only person in the world who still uses netbooks. I love them. 
<laughs> I think Netflix. This is the last year of the Netflix. I yeah, think. taking taking good freaking care you, of mine. You, you had your run, Netbook, two thousand five, two thousand fourteen. About it. you've had your run. Eat me. I love them. <laughs> um, Vani got me some cool stuff. The Netbook that you have is probably less pow- powerful than the ones I give to free, you know, to, to African schools. Like those little, the, uh, like the, the fifty dollar laptops. I love it. Um, Vani got me a cool little Butters figurine. She got me a little Snoopy figurine. Um, we got Disney passes. Again. I got you a present. Yes, uh, you got me a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I posted it online. People saw it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Christmas was great. It, we just sat around and ate a shitload of food. A couple more questions. All right. Then we're done. We made good time. Um, this is from at Blastermaster underscore. Better than that regular Blastermaster. Must have required discipline to not trash NES boxes in the 80s. Game Boy seems even more hard to get complete in box. Box. Thoughts? Yeah, Game Boy game, uh, boxes were trashed. Like, way more than even NES ones. And I think because their Game Boy games are supposed to be portable. So kids got the little cases. There's no room for boxes in, in a portable. And early on, you had the little plastic shells that yes. went around them. So um, totally it, was, it was almost implied that they should be tossed. Yes. Uh, for a while there, and I, it seems to have disappeared. It was like a fad in collecting. People trying to get into boxes. Yeah, I had a, a regular customer who always swore he wasn't like a fad guy, but like came in like right after like everyone was like, "Got any uh, box Game Boy games?" Uh, I'm feeling in a Game Boy mood, and it's like, "No, you're not. You just want to get in on it." But it was a thing that honestly lasted a maybe year. a year, and then like everyone two, just like 2011, maybe something like that. No, I would 2010? put it at 2009, 2010. You know yeah. why it didn't last? They're not out there. Yeah. You can't get into because they don't exist. Right, right. I have three games right now that um, I got, luckily, I have Universal Soldier, WCW Wrestling. You can barely find the games, let alone the boxes. Yeah. So it's like a weird thing. It's just a, they didn't produce a lot of these games to begin with for whatever reason. They just didn't. Yeah. It's, not like, it's not like NES games where, yeah, even if a game like Flintstones, Dinosaur Peak, you can't find it. Like like around, but you can always get it. You can't get these games even on eBay. It's just bizarre. I can't explain it. They must have really small runs, like I think really small, have. like three thousand small. But you if know, you, like, but if you've held a box recently, you know they weren't the sturdy cardboard of the NES. They were the flimsy t- type that yeah. was used for like the N sixty four. They were packaged in a way for a system that almost implied that you're supposed to just toss the damn thing. So yeah, I think I think that's why you you can't find it. And I have a bunch because I got yeah. I got an, I. I, I when I first moved here, I got really good Craigslist deals about until I want to say two thousand maybe early two thousand twelve. So I say it's been, it's been two years since I got a good Craigslist deal, but I was finding Craigslist deals. It's, it's right before, and that's why I said the switch was probably two thousand twelve when you had probably five times as many resellers getting into it and really not finding it. But I got like my full Virtual Boy set from a nice lady with, who had it since the nineties. With the with the with the the case, eighty bucks for everything. That's probably like seven hundred dollars or six hundred dollars worth of stuff. Yeah, you know. And then um, I got like fifty boxed, complete Game Boy games, and half of them are hard to find. Just the game themselves. I don't know where you got them from. One one of them was a sealed uh, Game Boy uh, Gold uh, Pokemon, but 
it's one of those things where though you know the market needs to be there so people got lost interest or got frustrated because they so, so desire is down now yeah. so even though you have something that's hard to find like a universal soldier box complete doesn't mean it's worth anything necessarily sure. yeah. you know it, 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 it'll be interesting to see if people go back to it but yeah that was that was a fun year everyone trying to come in and scoop them all acting like they didn't know anything about it like you know they they had the hot tip before they i did the hot tip, I, yeah, yeah and, then, and then everyone stopped looking it all comes from nintendo age at the end of it yeah. probably you know um, I think we have one last question. All right. Let's see. One last question. One person actually tweeted us. Uh, it was like, it, it's TV time in my house. This is what's on. And we're on his TV. So he's like streaming us on his TV. <laughs> and, and nice resolution probably too. Last question. Hi, Pat and Ian. Love the podcast. Are you guys fans of any sports? Oh, yeah. We're, we're pretty big fans, at least. Uh, uh, Ian's are probably a bigger hockey. I was a big hockey fan in the 90s with the Rangers. I, wa- I, I followed hockey growing up because I had to, living in Buffalo. I like uh, watching soccer quite a bit. Um, I've gotten into soccer the past few years with, I'd say, the two World Cups that I've seen, 2008, 2012, did a, did a lot for... I've always, I've always it loved 2010, 2006. Yes, yeah. the World Cup is this summer. Yep. It wow. was the only sport that I ever played, and I played it when I was little, but soccer was fun. Um, I really like watching baseball live. Baseball Live is fun because it's like a picnic. It's really nice. Um, sports that I, I watch... I've never been a football fan. I got into it for about five years because all my friends were watching it. So it's just what we did on Sundays. But I really have a tough time giving two shits about football. Really? Uh, I enjoy watching football. My my favorite... One of my favorite sports though is college basketball. I, I, See, I, I hate college basketball. When, when March Madness comes around, I will find a place with... Okay, I shouldn't say that. I don't hate college basketball. I don't like watching... The games. I don't like college sports in general because I feel bad for like, obviously where there, it's so not fair for teams that have all the money and recruit, and they play a team in football or even basketball and they outscore them by like a billion points. It's not fun. It's not because like most of those kids are just going to the geometry class and they're doing it as a fun hobby. And the other they're going to be professionals on the other team. That's why the tournament is nice with college ball because by that point you should have weeded out most of the weak teams. Mm. Now I'm not saying the first round is all roses, yeah, first, but first but you do get closer, more exciting games when you're watching the tournament. I like watching football because I see it more as as a as even though it's brutally violent. There's a lot more strategy in football than probably a lot of the other sports. In, ter- in terms of uh, play choosing, in terms of strategy, is sort of trying to, to get one up on your opponent. It's in terms of switching out players, it's probably, honestly, it's the most intellectual of the sports in terms of planning and organization versus baseball, which is totally individualistic sport. Yeah. And I hate to say it, basketball is individualistic. Sure. Not many not many NBA play- teams play as a team. It's Soccer is very much a team sport. Soccer is probably the only pure team sport. And hockey. Hockey, it's, you can be a great hockey player. It's still hard to take over yeah. uh, the game as one player, unless you're a Gretzky great, you know, which right. is, is rare. So, yeah, I like, I, like, I like watching it, and pro wrestling is not really a sport. Mixed martial arts I'm into now because I was always into martial arts. I've, and, I've fallen out of that, but I used to watch a lot of Pride, uh, and then Pride got busted for basically rigging and ties to the Japanese mafia. Did but, they really? They were yeah, I think that was basically what happened with Pride. But, um, I think yeah. UFC bought out their library. Well, they did that, that afterwards, yes. But uh, MMA is fun. It, it's uh, I like watching boxing, but you know, it's like, boxing. There's so much. The thing about MMA that's great is that they're they're trying to not be like boxing, where it's like fixed, fixed, you know, fixed matches and and dream bouts never happening. Because like you're never gonna see you know uh, Pacquiao versus Mayweather. They've been talking about it for like five years, for example. Right. I mean, everyone wants to see it. You're never gonna see it. And in MMA, you'd be forced to right because it wouldn't be up to the boxers. It'd be up to 
this is who you're fighting next. You have a contract for three fights or five fights. This is who we want you to fight. Yeah. If you're not going to do the fight, get out. Quit, basically. But then, there you have it. So, anything else? On this somewhat efficient, completely unnecessary podcast, I, I've had much more energy than I thought I would. The past couple of days have been rough on me. I'm not going to go into why, but I powered through it. And third podcast in a row, I made chicken fajitas. <laughs> before the pockets. Well, the chicken's still got to be cooked, but I made the peppers and onions. Ladies and gentlemen, the scent is amazing. Isn't it? I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a bad cook. I'm not a bad cook. I, mean, I haven't gotten too fat from Christmas. My mom sent me cookies. That was a good present. I, they're frozen to less, and I just thaw them out, and they're fine. She makes me a, a chocolate chip, which really isn't a Christmas cookie, but she does. And she makes me the chocolate with the powdered sugar on top, mm-hmm. and like the mound. Like, and the best is she gets the, the peanut butter one, where you dip the half in chocolate and let it cool. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good one. Play your cards right, you'll get one of you. Dumb's a good cookie. <laughs> so, with that said, uh, thanks for dropping in for this completely unnecessary podcast. We'll see you all in two weeks, unless I'm not here, but I probably will be. Yeah, I will be. Yeah, I was thinking about I might take a short trip. I need a vacation. I'm probably going to take it in February. Right. I, I haven't had a real vacation in, in years. These uh, these MAGFests and these conventions, they're fun, but not vacations. They're a lot of work, unfortunately. So... There you go, Ian. We're gonna sign off, and you haven't. You're not running, running off to take a piss this time. Toodaloo, toodaloo, guys. Toodaloo, toodaloo. And Ian's not gonna wait. He's gonna get up again before I stop. That's really what radio hosts do. or podcast hosts. Okay. Bye, Ian. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs>